Alright, it's going. Um, let's get let's get Nick on here and see what we can figure out. Yeah, there we go. Alright. Mr. Nick. See my tails blink. Invite. So yeah, I was arguing with my wife because I bought a chair and mm-hmm. she didn't say a word about it. And then she, we were laying in bed talking and she was like, well, I don't think that was the plan. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? We sold a bunch of stuff in our shed to make money to buy a new chair. So that's what I did. Yeah. Dude, you got to wear shirts to this adventure. Yeah. Yuck. Maybe he can't hear us. Let's keep talking about him. <laughs> He's flipping us off. Maybe his microphone doesn't work. It just connected. I don't, I don't know what was going on, but I just got the invite. No shirt and a hat. That's awesome. I just sent it to you because I had to restart my computer. Okay. Are you yeah, I don't know. Did you fall I don't know if it's the way that I've got it set up on my computer, but it says that's still pending an invite from you, so I can't see anything. I don't know. That's fucking weird. I'll be right back. Fucking tired, man. I've been sleeping like all damn day. I've been. Staying up late all two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Loneliness breeds long TV nights. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Did you yeah. get your kid down or what? What up? Did you get your kid down, Nick, or what? Yeah, so what's funny is that I fell asleep and he was awake and he got out of the bed and I continued to sleep. Uh, and then when I woke up, I was like, fuck, where's the baby? He <laughs> room, passed out in the corner. Check this shit out. Hold on. Go away. No, he's not sleeping in that crib, is he? Is he on the floor? Yeah. Oh, shit, I see him. There he is. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, uh, that's so, awesome. I'm Gotta leave him there for a few minutes. Yeah. He's breathing, so it's good. It's a, a good start. Is that was that crib a circle? Yeah. I bet that was fun to put together. That was that was the crib that Shawnee had to have. And uh yeah, he's never been in it. I can so. see why she had to have it. It's pretty fucking cool, but he never uses it. Yeah. I've, I considered getting in there, but uh I don't know that it'll fit, so <laughs> Are you off today, you fucking bum? Uh, yeah, so... <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm switching jobs. I'm moving over to where I should be. Um, I've been doing my transition for like two weeks now. And this douchebag 05 that I work for is like, uh, hey, when do you see yourself doing your transition? Which I should have read between the lines, which means I'm going to tell you when I want you to transition right but you know but he wants me to feel like i actually have a, a voice in it so i was like oh you know by the end of the next week this was last week that we had this conversation i was like oh yeah by the end of next week i, I see myself going over to the new office it's like mm, total lumberg total lumberg He's <laughs> like, yeah lumber, so doctor. you know that exercise starts next weekend so <laughs> i'm gonna need you to go ahead and work through that and then on monday you can, you know, switch over to your new job. All right. So 
you want me to work through the weekend just to leave on Monday and go to my new job anyway. And you want to put me on a swing shift. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty fucking stupid. So I already had my orders that assigned me to this new unit as of the 6th of August. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to sign out of the unit and I don't work for him anymore. So can't work if I sign out. Yeah, the paperwork doesn't lie, right? Yeah, so I went ahead and did that. And uh, today is a training holiday for pretty much everyone else. So, yeah. So, yeah, it's ripped off. Well, there you go. Yeah. I'm just swinging that fucking W2 dick around. <laughs> That's right. That's what's up, man. Sometimes you got to yep. do that. Well, I had to work yeah. today. It was grueling. I only watched a couple of movies. Oh. Yeah, they're like seven fancy mock drafts. Left at like two. It was a nice Friday. Yeah. You and your mock drafts. Dude, I've done one probably. The, the 10 years I've been playing fantasy prior to this year, I've, I've done like one. I'm in it this year, bro. I've, I've done like 10. You're all in. He's fucking all in. I need to be the first of three championships, man. I hey, can't fuck around him. College football starts tomorrow. God damn right it does. Did you see the games though? Did you see like it's like Duquesne and Colorado State, like a bunch of bullshit. They but, always do that, man. They always yeah. make like the first one. Like, man, just give me a give me a barn burner to start, man. Let's go. I know. Yeah, it's gonna be. Eh, I'll watch it. Brittany's got me shopping in the morning, so after that, I get the afternoon to watch football. Yeah. But it's been uh, it's been a decent decent time. This week was fucking stupid. I didn't do shit. It's just, dude, it sucks. I'm still waiting to hear about this possible promotion. So I'm like riding the fine line between giving a shit and not giving a fuck. Cause I basically told my boss, you know, if I don't move vertically then I'm going somewhere else I can't do this and so I'm still trying to like do my shit but at the same time I already don't care I've signed out pretty much I pulled a Nick Jacob and just signed out and left for the day (laughs) fuck this place I'm switching units I'm glad I had an impact on you in the uh, short period of time we worked together yeah yeah you sure did you did have an impact. Good. I'm proud of you. It's good to have a lasting effect. Yeah. You need people like that. Just remind you to stop giving a fuck so much. <laughs> Who knows? But anyway. Dude, after you left, after you left uh, Texas, man, I really lost all give a fuck. Yeah, it was like you and Garrett and then like, Estep and I left. Handy left. Fucking everybody peaced out. And yeah, and they wouldn't let us fly anymore. So yeah. I was like, what do you want me to do here? Yeah. It was it was pretty fucking lame. Yep. And I saw uh, Hind posted today. Little fucking Hind. 
Yeah, he's moving back to Texas. Yeah, something about he got offered a job to be an instructor sensor operator. Like, dude, come on. That could couldn't find his ass with two hands and a roadmap. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. He was a nice kid. I mean, so nice. He, I'm not going to talk shit about his relationship, but it was funky. I mean, it's required, man. Dude, it was so funky. But he's still with her. I don't know how he does it, but he does it. Yeah. Bitches be crazy. <laughs> you know? No, I was telling Nate, Nick, this guy I work with, he, uh, he owns a, a few websites and uh, a few domains. And he's got, one of them is a, a uh, internet radio station. And so he's got, like, four terabytes of storage. And he's like, dude, I'll give you a terabyte. I won't, like, charge you anything. I already pay for it. And he said that he would host it and get it. He said he'd work on getting this weekend everything set up on a a basic web page so that at least we could start sending links out and sharing the shit. Cool. Um, So, yeah, he's a, a Navy vet who's going through his own struggles right now. And uh, just started AA. Super, super good dude. Um, he's a CrossFitter, so I don't hold that against him. Yeah. But man. he is, dude, he's big as shit. He's like my height, <laughs> but he probably, he's probably 225, just solid muscle. And, uh, but now he just started, like, he just started his road to recovery from fucking decades of alcohol abuse. So he was all about it. He's like, I'll help you guys out with whatever you need. Just let me know when you need it. And hopefully by Monday we'll have enough set up that I can start uh, transferring some of the shit. Cool. Because he asked me how much shit I had. And I was like, well, we got like a total with the five conversations that we've got. We've probably got like nine gigs worth of shit. And he was like, oh. I can do nine gigs. He's like, I can do 900 gigs. So <laughs> it's all good. I was like, fuck, let's do this. So it's like, those are rookie numbers. You're going to bump them numbers up. I know. Okay. He was like, oh, yeah, that's, I can do that. That's, that's fine. So, and he's got, he's got redundancies built in for backups, too. So if, some, if you know, the main server goes down, he's got it backed up at his house. So everything. This dude's a fucking genius. I was telling I was telling Nate he uh, when the Browns dropped their like chat forum that they had on their official webpage, he copied that and built it to look exactly the same way, and just changed the URL. He bought a domain name and changed the URL a little bit, and now it's the highest traffic like uh, Cleveland Browns chat forum. He gets like six thousand users annually or regularly. And it pays for all of his storage costs for his four terabytes. That's awesome. Yeah. He's a fucking genius. And I asked him how long it would take to build us, like, an environment to put all this on. He's like, "Eh, three hours maybe. (laughs) Okay. That's cool. (laughs) So I thought it was going to be a super hard shit, but he's like, no, dude, I'll do it for you. No problem. Cool. So... That's that. That was my biggest concern is, like, how do you get this out? Like, I can record it all day, but I can't just be dropping, like, 
three gig files on Facebook or wherever the fuck and say, hey, download this. Yeah. But there's no way to like, there's no, there's no way right now, unless he sets something up to track like metrics, you know, how many people have listened to it or how many people downloaded it or whatever. So that's something that either we'll have to look into or um, eventually I would like to, he was talking like, dude, we could go live. If you want to go live, we'll go live this weekend. I was like, well, calm down. First of all, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I'm ready for some of the shit that comes out of my face to be out there in the world all live and whatnot. So a little hesitant to go that route. But anyways, cart before the horse. I'm just spitballing. Build that aircraft in flight. Yeah, no shit. I'll figure it out. But uh, but anyways, let's get let's get into the nitty gritty because I don't know how long it's going to take, but I don't want to waste a bunch of time. Uh, yep. Not that it's a waste of time because we're awesome. But anyways, um, so let's just start. I mean, I know most of the story from what you told me, but um, for the sake of, of clarity, let's just figure out. Uh, I don't know when did when did it occur to you? I guess that you were like, I really need some fucking help, and I'm not doing it on my own anymore. Um, well, so for me, the the point at which like it really registered to me, and uh, and I noticed it was I was sitting. It was one night I got done cooking food. I'm sitting down, you know, Shawnee sitting over there on one side of the couch watching TV or whatever, and the Baby's running around. We made him a plate of dinner. It's on the table. He's picking at it, but not really paying too much attention to it. I get my plate together. I come over. I sit down. I start eating. And the baby obviously wants to get in my plate. Um, and I just, it, it just, it annoyed me, like, to no end. Like, for whatever reason, like, I just didn't want him in my plate. I didn't want him near me. I was annoyed that he wouldn't eat his own food. It was the same exact stuff. Um, and I, I remember there, I remember sitting there and seeing the whole situation. I was like, okay, he wants to be around daddy. He wants to do what daddy's doing, but daddy is about to like flip this plate over. Like I was just infuriated. Um, and I was like, all right, something, something's not right. I should not feel angry that my child wants to be near me or do what I'm doing or spend time with me. He's trying to mimic what I'm doing. Um, so that's, I mean, it, it got to me enough. Like I had to get up and like move across the room, like from like our living room area into like the actual dining room and sit at the table. And that's when I was like, what the, what the fuck is going on? Like I should not be angry about my child being near me. Um, so that was when, uh, that was when it like, dawned on me that that was my like epiphany moment like right what the fuck um and then the more i kind of sat and thought about it i was like man i am this way more often than i'm not um i seem to be angry and i mean like legitimately angry a lot of the time uh for no real no real reason um so uh, that, was when I, that was like, that was my breaking point. I was like, all right, 
something's not right. I gotta, I gotta go look at this. Um, so I set up an appointment to go see, uh, my doctor. Um, and my, my actual goal to go see the doctor was ultimately to get a referral, um, to behavioral health or to, to mental health, um, to a doc there. That was where I wanted to go, but, you know, because I have to go through my primary care, I had to do that first. Um, but you said, ultimately I I wanted to go see mental health, um, and, and talk to somebody uh, that specializes in this kind of stuff. So I went and saw my doc, um, told him everything was going on, just angry all the time at, at nothing and everything. I cannot seem to come down off of it. Once I get angry, always on edge, uh, anytime I went out, it just kind of seemed like, not that I was looking for something, but uh, that other people were looking for it. So I was always on edge, like ready to just throw fists at like a moment notice. Like, all right, so that dude over there, like I can just tell he wants to fight. Mm-hmm. And this dude over there, like this is just going to happen. So I could never really relax and enjoy what was going on because I was always on edge that something was going to happen. And in all actuality, there was there was nothing going on. It was just, you know, people out and about. Um, so I told him all that. I told him about uh, just being angry, uh, not being able to come down off of it. Um, and we just, you know, went through all the different signs and symptoms that I had recognized. Um, go ahead and got me a referral. Uh, actually, so they um, prescribed me Prozac right then. Um which was kind of funny to me, but at the same time, I could understand why they were so delicate about it. But they're like, you know, we would like, if you're okay with it, to start you on some medication. Um, but I was like, look, I came here to get help. So whatever you recommend, I'm, I'm totally open um, to, to starting and trying, you know, trying to, to get right. If, if a psychologist later on says, hey, we need to go a different route, that's fine. But you know, this, this needs to happen. So started Prozac. Um, then I got in to see, um, psychologists, I think four, maybe four days later or something like that. And, um, so when you first, uh, when you, when you first get to the, the mental health office or behavioral health office, they give you this questionnaire and I, you get them every time you go to the doctor. Um, they're, they're real big on it now about screening to look for dudes that are suffering from either depression or PTSD or whatever, whatever other issue. So, uh, you know, I've, I've taken them enough times that I would always just kind of click through. I'm like, no, not suicidal. No, I don't want to hurt anybody else. No, like I feel fine. Yeah. I'm pissed off, but I'm not going to say that because I don't want them asking questions. So this time when I went in there, uh, because I was legitimately going in there for, you know, mental health reasons. I actually took the time to answer the questionnaire and uh, it took me a surprisingly long amount of time because when you answer questions a certain way, it prompts new questions to be asked. And we went from like a simple, like three or five question test. I was sitting there for like 15 minutes answering these different questions. And uh, I really took an honest look every time I, you know, every answer or every question I looked at it and it's like, all right, let me, let me answer this truthfully so that I can really get a benchmark and give them a good picture of, of where I'm at. Um, when I went in, saw the doc and started reviewing stuff, they said, basically, I was like just a shy away from being on the severe side of depression. Um, so I was like, oh, 
All right. Yeah. Um, so just that first session uh, with psychologists, uh, we talked about medication, how the medication worked and what it would do for me and what kind of things I should be looking for to see if it's working. Um, we talked about what could have gotten me to that point. Um, and it was really just a culmination of so many things um, that just kind of build up um, that, yeah, they, they just put me to that point where I, I needed outside help to come in. Um, you know, my mom died um, this past October. Um, a friend of mine committed suicide in November. Um, I lost a friend last year um, downrange. It was just these little things, you know, stress between the family and the wife and the kids and work was terrible. And I hated where I was at. Um, all those little things just continue to build and build and build, you know, under the surface until it just becomes a point where there's, there's no more that you can ignore it. Like either, either something bad is going to happen and you're, you're really going to have issues or you identify it and you seek the help that you need. Um, and I think some of, some of those outlying things, um, were there to help trigger me to see the issues in myself. Um, the friend of mine that that committed suicide, um, if you've read my blog on, on that, um, on that charity page that I wrote, um, I think his situation was really the catalyst for me to take a different look at mental health and the, the the stigma of, Hey, you're just weak, you know, man up. Right. You know, yeah, crying yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, this was a dude that at face value, man, he has beautiful wife, an amazing family. There was a, it was a blended family. So he had a couple kids from a previous marriage. His wife had a, a couple kids from a previous marriage. They had their own kid together. You could not tell where the blend was. All of them were this perfect family. He was always smiling. Like he's the type of dude who'd go into a, into a room. He never met a stranger. Um, amazing giant house, like beautiful pool in the back, all the toys and everything you could want. Um, just everything looked absolutely fantastic. Like you're like, that's a dude that's got it together. Like I envy that guy. Like things are working out for him just to find out that no, he was struggling on such a, on such a level that he ultimately, you know, committed suicide because he couldn't, he could not shake the, the demons that he fought with. Right. Um, so yeah, like I said, that was just like a catalyst for me. I was like, man, if, if that is somebody that can be affected and get to that point, I, I got to do something. Cause I'm not, an outwardly happy person. There's not a whole lot of people that I've crossed in my life. that are probably like, Oh man, that dude, he's old tap. He's always got a smile on his face. Um, right. But you know, when you first called me it was a month ago and said, you know what you were going through and opened up a little bit about the struggles that you were facing, you know, my thought was exactly the same thing you were probably thinking about, you know, when you found out about your friend, it's like, you know, on the outside looking in, you do have a wonderful family. You do have these wonderful kids and a beautiful wife. And to me, at least, and maybe that's because we had some time to get to know each other, you were happy. You were a happy guy. And every time, you were the only, besides Nate, I mean, you and Nate were the only two that I've kept in contact with. And you were the only one that would ever call and be like, hey, man, what's going on? And 
when you called me and told me that, that was a shock to me. And that was just, uh, I don't know. And I, I think that when we had that conversation, the vibe that I got afterwards was like, fuck, I did not, I did not handle that maybe as well as I should because of the way you were opening up and because of the shock that it was to me. But, um, you know, I had the same thought, I guess, that you were having when your friend passed was like, dude's got everything going on. And that's the, that's the problem is nobody talks about it. And when people do talk about it, it's shut down so quickly or the same, like, dude, just, just man up, go fucking take a jog. You'll be fine. And, uh, and that's not the case because the problem is then we just suffer in silence and then we just eat that shit up. Right. And you end up. Yeah. You could only, you know, there's those subtle, there's those subtle cues where someone's reaching out where they want to open up or, you know, they want to make basically present themselves in a vulnerable, vulnerable position. And if it's not immediately received well, then yeah, exactly. They're just gonna be like, all right, I tried. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't like the way that I was looked at or I, right. you know, I didn't pick up on it. So I'm just, I'm just gonna, keep it to myself. I'm, I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to, I'm going to make, I'm going to make it work. Right. Um, and you've been trying to make it work for how long, you know? So, uh, I think I have a quick question for more like frame of reference. Like one, first of all, I think it's like, I think it's great to just have like, I think it's great that you've actually like taken those steps. Cause I, cause I think we've all, all three of us have at least been in a spot where like, like you guys just talked about like, yeah, okay. My life is, my life is my life right now, but I have to keep doing it because of like where I'm at, like all the responsibilities that I have and it's like weighing you down. So like, first of all, I think it's great that you're, I mean, uh, like, unfortunately there were events that like, you know, shook you that, uh, like forced you to like self-realization. So first of all, that is just great. And I like hearing that a bit or a bunch. And then second, like, just so I'm like aware, uh, like how long into your like military career, were you when you like started seeking this help, I guess is what I'm asking. Well, I mean, so that's, that's kind of the bad, I guess that's the bad part of it. Uh, you know, I'm at 18 years now. Um, but I can, I can say that for a majority of my military career, you know, they make us go through these classes, um, to try to bring awareness to mental health. And, you know, there's always been that big push. Oh, Hey, if someone seeks help, that makes them stronger. Don't look at them as being weak. Um, and seeing that now I can, I can appreciate those classes, but when you aren't affected by it, um, I think it's easy to have a, a jaded look on things. Cause I know that, like I said, prior to, to my friend, um, I've gone through all those classes and it was kind of, this, I had the same kind of incorrect view of it myself. Like, ah, whatever. You're just, you're being a sissy, like, Oh, you got to go cry about your feelings to somebody. Um, it, it is a big thing to, to reach out and seek help. Um, and it, it's, you know, it is, it is hard. A lot of people won't do it because they don't want to be viewed in a certain way. Um, or they don't want to see themselves in a certain way. I think that's a big part of it also. I think for a long time, um, I didn't want to admit that, yeah, there could be something wrong with the way I handle things. That's just how I am. Like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not the one that's wrong. You are like, this is normal. Um, 
when in actuality, like some of the responses that I would take to things were definitely not normal. Um, so, uh, I think maybe if I would have reached out to some of those sources earlier on, then perhaps I wouldn't have ended up in, in such a dark place. Um, and, and I will, like, I was never in a position, I, I never got to the point that I was looking at hurting myself or my family or anything like that. Um, I never got that far, but I mean, where's the threshold to get to that point? Yeah. Um, you know, like, I don't think anybody's ever just like, you know what? Yeah. I think I want to, I want to put myself in a mental stage where I, I want to hurt my family or myself. Right. I think it's just, you know, it's a downward spiral where things just continue to, to, to build and build and, and you try your own ways to address things and, and they work or they don't, but when they don't work, you know, it just pushes you further down into that hole. Um, and eventually it just, you, you're so deep down that you can't get yourself back out. Um, so yeah, if, if I would have noticed things earlier on, um, maybe I would have started taking advantage of all the resources that we do have to go and, and, uh, and address things. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I mean, I'm at, I'm at 18 years and that's, I would, I would say, I mean, that's obviously a huge majority of my adult life that I've been walking around just kind of dealing with things in an incorrect, you know, fashion. Right. Do you think that uh, going from an operational environment where you were at in Bragg and then going to Hood and kind of riding a desk and then going out to Hawaii, not only going to Hawaii, but being separated from being so far away from your family. And then you feel like you're not contributing as much. Do you think that could have been a, a catalyst? Cause I know that was for me, I think when I got out and I know a lot of guys that when they do get out, they're like, well, what purpose do I have now? You know, I'm not, I'm not in the fight or I'm not contributing directly to that fight anymore. So I've lost my purpose. Um, do you think that could have at least maybe played a role in this kind of spiral that you headed down? Yeah. Um, I, I think that's definitely a possibility. I think it's probably more so, uh, I would, I would relate it more to job satisfaction. Um, yeah. because yeah, you know, I was in a high, high up tempo, high up tempo environment and brag, loved it. It was stressful, but there was, you know, payoffs and I knew what I was doing and I felt good about it. Like I knew that what I said was, was good and correct. And I knew my stuff. Um, and I switched jobs and I, and I go out to hood and yeah, you know, it was the start of it where I was just like, all right, well, not, not really a subject matter expert anymore. Don't really I'm starting to learn what I'm doing, but then all of a sudden, you know, they wouldn't let me do that job anymore either. So then I just kind of sitting around doing nothing. So yeah, there was, then it just became just like, why am I going into work? Why am I doing anything? It's just a giant waste of time. Um, so yeah, as you sit there and you just waste time, then it just gets frustrating because you're, you're, there's so much other stuff you could be doing, but you're stuck doing nothing or just BS that really isn't getting you anywhere. Um, so that could have been the start of it. And then coming out here, um, yeah, at first I liked the job and I liked the environment that I was in because it was pretty laid back. But then, you know, I get new leadership that comes in and, and there's changes that, 
you know, in my opinion, I, I think the people that were in charge are just toxic leaders and they weren't really addressing issues that were coming up. Um, so then the office just became this, this dreaded place to go. Um, you know, it wasn't even so much anymore about not having a job that I wanted. It was just like, now I have to go sit in this place that just grades on every nerve. And I'm just counting the minutes until any type of like reprieve where I can get out of this office and get away from these people. Um, right. And then it's like such a like universal, not maybe not universal, but like for me, like wrapping in that to like that threshold thing and then having that job or like where you're spending, you know, eight, eight hours a day. Yeah. But like, you know, one, okay, you're at your job where you hate or you just have no satisfaction from it and you're like one that just puts you in a bad mood. Two, you then have to like go home and you're like, okay, well, I should be a little happier. But then but then you then you misinterpret like a statement made by your spouse and that just puts you in even in a worse mood. And then right. it's just this constant like Oh, you know, you just keep going down it. I think that's yep. such a dangerous, yeah, and, dangerous thing. And, and I think that was definitely the case. Um, you know, it was it was my whole situation. So it was coming out here. It was like I said, just being in a, in, a, in an office and a job that I couldn't stand, dealing with traffic. Um, you know, they're all these little minor things. But then when I got home, things weren't great at home either because you know my wife is away from her family and she misses them. She can't really find her her rhythm here. Or, you know, there's little things that just come up that um, little arguments or little things like tensions and stuff here in the house. So it's not like when I got home, it was all, oh, yeah, everything's everything's great. And, yeah, I'm sorry that work sucks, but we're going to make everything great while you're here. Like it wasn't that it was coming home and dealing with a screaming kid or late nights doing whatever else or last minute changes the things and um, just, you know, having arguments about stupid shit, which, you know, in, in hindsight, probably more because I was stressed out and not handling things in, in a, in a happy manner or productive manner. So little arguments turned into these giant blow ups. And then it was like, all right, well, what the hell am I doing? Like, I don't even want to be married anymore. Like it, all these just, it, it was just this compounding situation where everything just made the other things worse. So there was no, relief from it. And then even when things were somehow good for a while, like I, I know at some point along the line, like, Oh yeah, man, we had like, we had a good week. We didn't argue it's like that. It shouldn't be measured in one week increments. Like, Oh man, out of the last four weeks, we had a good solid week. Like that's, you know, seeing that would start to get to me too. Like, man, what are we, what are we doing? Um, and then in some of the arguments, um, you know, the wife would be like, she would, she would tell me like, you need help. All right. Well, cool. We're in an argument. So I'm going to completely blow that off because we're in an argument and you're just trying to right. you know, get to me. Yeah. So, um, that was, you know, that had been said a few times and then, you know, looking back now and thinking about it, like hearing like how much like you're hurting the kids or you're affecting this family at the time you just blow it off. You're like, no, you're just pissed off we're in an argument and you want to say things to hurt me, you know, just to dig that knife in and win the argument. Um, but now looking back, like, like, man, yeah. I can, I can totally see like, yeah, it's definitely not healthy and it's not a good role model to completely lose your shit and have a screaming match 
you know, with, with your, with your wife, really, it goes either way, either wife, significant other husband, it doesn't matter, whichever way it is. Like, if that's the way you're dealing with things, if it comes down to, you're just like irate and screaming and you're doing it in front of your kids, like you need to take a step back and, and really assess the way things are going. And if, if, if that's the way it is more of the time than it is less of the time, what's the harm in going and, and yeah. talking to somebody? Yeah. What do you have to lose? A little bit of pride, but right. And yeah, like, like to me, that's like, it's always like, I, I think all three of us kind of have a similar instinct where, uh, like we all have family. So we're all trying to just like be the person who needs to provide for the people that are not our family so we then like neglect our like mental and like self care because we might take it as selfish when we first think of it. Like, no dude, like I'm here to provide for my wife and my kid, not like stop worrying about you. But like when you do that and, and you like, and it sounds terrible, but sometimes you do need to be selfish because like when you are selfish and you actually, I mean selfish, like when it comes to reevaluating your, your actual mental health, that's when you'll actually start seeing the improvement. Like instead of putting it off and being this person who, you know, I got to be there to provide for them. I'll worry about myself later. All that does, I think is it's just like a negative like loop. Right. Yeah. And then you bog so yourself like, down. Actually what I'm doing is just making it worse. Right. And then, you know, you get bogged down in, you know, I hate being at work and I truly do, but I need to be at work because I need insurance and I need this. And then when I go home, I'm like, Oh, everything will be better when you go home. But then dinner needs made, the house needs cleaned, kids need changed. It never stops. You never get a chance to just take a break and sit down and be like, because you're constantly thinking of what do you have to do next? And you're not, it's hard to be, it's hard to be present. And that's the issue. It's like you don't take the time to stop and think about, like, dude, I am stressed 18 hours a day, and the other six I'm sleeping. And and for me, I wasn't even sleeping. That was the other thing that, right. that built onto it. Yeah, the, the hours that I was in bed, I wasn't sleeping, either because I was just too stressed out and my body wouldn't shut down, or I just, I just could not sleep. Right. Dude, when you were telling me that you were sleeping like two-hour chunks at a time and, and maybe getting you know, four or five hours total sleep, like dude, there's that that's something you can't keep up with. That's definitely it's not obviously long term, that's gonna tear you down, but just just mentally knowing that you're just laying there not being able to sleep and then all you start thinking about is, Well fuck I can't sleep and that turns into, Well, I'm fucking pissed. And then that shitty attitude that you're carrying with you all day is now seeping its way into your evening into the night yep. and then you got to get up and start that cycle all over again. Yep. You're, there's never that restart where you wake up and you're like, Oh man, all right. Today's right. a new day. Right. Face things differently. No, cause I've been, I'm dragging ass cause I'm tired. I didn't sleep. It's just like, fuck. So you just starts out rough and then just little things set you off. It's crazy. It's crazy that, that so many people go through it and so many people have that attitude because I mean, let's be honest, that's, that's the attitude. That's the stigma of, of mental health on all fronts, not just coming out of the military or still being in the military is like, 
suck it up and get it done because that's what needs done. And, you know, that's, I think that there's a shift. And I think conversations like this kind of cause that shift. But it's still, it's still an issue. It's still, it's an issue in our community, but it's an issue as a whole. And then you, everything that comes into your life anymore is so fucking negative. Everything you turn on a TV and everything that's coming out of it is, is negative. Or you read the news and it's this, this fucking guy that, I don't know if you guys saw the story in Colorado that killed his wife and kids and then lied about it and did a news interview like begging for the kids to come back and all this shit. Turns out he's the one that fucking did it. And it's just sick negative shit that keeps pouring. Nobody, you don't hear shit about uplifting stuff. You never hear that shit. Because that doesn't get the clicks or the likes. Everybody's a victim. And then you have to deal with all that negativity coming in all the time. And that just adds to the stress. It's just one thing after the other. But I think that conversations like this and, and continuing to at least have an open dialogue about mental health and the struggles of it and, you know, recovery and getting that help, I mean, that's going to make the change. And I think that you doing what you're doing now and opening up about it, not just with us, but, you know, uh, professionally and getting your own help for the sake of your own family, whether it be, I mean, that if you want to call that selfish, I don't think it is. I think it's the most selfless thing that you can do because keeping that family together and and maintaining those bonds and building those bonds back up isn't selfish at all because in 20 years, you know, TC and, and Lachlan are old enough and they're going to, you're doing it now so that the dad they know is not the dad that they saw six months ago. You know what I mean? It's, it's yeah, a different that was, person. That was really, um, for me, that was my big motivator. I completely understand what what Nate's saying about sometimes you need to be selfish and mm-hmm. look for yourself, look out for yourself. Absolutely. Like, I get it. Um, for me, it was there. There, like I said, there was that epiphany moment. It was I need to do better for my boys and for my wife. Right. Like I need to stop being Mister Fucking Hardass and Mister Tough Guy and realize, okay, like. That's, that's getting me nowhere and it's doing nothing for the family. Right. Um, I don't want the kids' memories of childhood to be that dad was always mad or hell, it, my, like, or hell, I might not even be in the picture anymore. Like, right. yeah, I don't, I don't have a relationship with my dad anymore because he and my mom got a divorce and I didn't want to be around him because he was always angry. Like, who knows where it could have gone? Um, but right. I definitely didn't want it to go that way. Um, so obviously I want to continue to be in their life. I want them to have good memories from when they're, when they're a kid and, and being here and everything. And, uh, I just, I want them to be able to cope with things and deal with things in a healthy manner. So changing the way that I was reacting to things and addressing things, it was, it's for them. It's so that when they do get mad or bad things do happen and it affects them, they, they, they know the proper way they, they can seek the outlets that they need in order to, to deal with things and not have it just drain them um, and wear them down. 
Right. You're you're letting them know that it's okay to to seek help and that's huge because that that obviously wasn't the case, you know, for you or or for me or probably Nate too. I mean, we grew up pretty much the same way. We're around the same age where you know, you just you do what you got to do to get by and you do what you got to do and you don't complain and you don't you don't uh show weakness because you're a man and men aren't weak, men are strong. And and it's bullshit because we go through the same struggles that anybody else goes through. And I wish that uh that it was different. I wish we didn't have to deal with with uh trying to play this tough guy card because you know even my own family my dad's you know he went through a di- multiple divorces and um he's been through a ton he was a cop he was an army ranger he's he's been through it all and seen it all and and he still has that mentality like I don't need help I can get through this on my own well you do um but it's going to take your own time to do it and I can't you know you can't force anybody to do anything but I think that taking these steps is setting an example for your children. It's setting an example for what a marriage should be too, because that's, that's key, you know, to have your kids see that it's a two way street for mom and dad. And there has to be some compromise on either end. And if that means taking a step to the side and, and, you know, taking a knee and saying, dude, I need help. Then, then your kids see that hey, dad's not weak. That's that's pretty fucking strong. Yeah, it's people need to. That, that needs to be. Like I said, I think people are still going to have a very incorrect view of things. Um, it's just the nature of the beast. But right. Um, yeah, the more it's talked about, the more it's it's emphasized. You know, there's nothing wrong. You you go and see a, a, a regular doctor just to make sure you're you're in good physical health. Right. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with preemptively going and seeing a counselor, uh, whether it's for yourself, for your for marriage. We talked about doing uh, family therapy. Um, sometimes it's good just to just to talk and and get things in the open. Uh, and if you're in a in a neutral environment where you can bring things up and have an outside perspective you know, it lets everyone that's involved in that relationship be able to see things. It gives you an opportunity to explain your, your thinking and your reasoning on why things were. And you can talk about how things were perceived or, or received. Um, so yeah, I, I've already, um, I've already talked to Shawnee about it and I've told her like I'm going to continue to um, see the psychologist for the foreseeable future, just because it, it's just, it makes sense to me. Um, and we've got a lot going on right now. And I know that's always everybody's excuse. Oh, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. But we do have a bunch going on. We're getting ready to travel. Um, but we've already talked about when we get back that we're either going to do couple therapy or we're going to go to family therapy just as another outlet, um, to keep communication open and to address things and just keep everything, um, going, going smoothly. And the longer that this has been going on for me, as far as seeing the doc, um, I've seen, tenfold it pay back here here at home like everything has been substantially better with with shawnee things are amazing with the boys um so 
I absolutely don't regret any bit of it. Um, I don't feel like I'm weak by going and talking to somebody. Um, whereas before that was just, you know, how I viewed it. Um, I, I really think it's, it, it, it's, it's a healthy thing to do. And whether you want to say, Oh, you're so strong for it or not. Like I, I don't, I don't even need that kind of reinforcement, you know, like I understand it and everybody wants to, you know, they, they want to encourage people to continue to get help. And that's great. But for me, like, it's not even a, a matter of being strong. Like another buddy of mine, he had, he had basically said the same thing. He's like, Hey man, like it is stronger of you to seek the help and, and notice it and, and recognize you need it. Like that's so strong of you. And, and again, like I said, for me, it had nothing to do with me being strong. It was, I want better for my kids um, and if, if that meant that, that I had to make the changes and, and finally admit that, that I needed to make the changes, then, then so be it. And like I said, I'm, I'm happy that I did. Um, I wish I would have done it a long time ago. Yeah. But you know, it may have been different then you didn't have the right. wife and the kids and, and all that going on. And, and, you know, your perspective your perspective was obviously different, but I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy yep. that you don't know somebody's struggling as much as they are. You look at somebody, yeah. like I said, I look at, look to you and I still look to you like well, this guy's got it, got it together. Even when you don't, um, and you don't know the struggles that people are going through. You know, like I was telling you about, this dude, Chris, who's talking about helping us out with all this stuff is like the dude functioning alcoholic. He told me today, you know, cause I told him a little bit about your story and what we were planning on doing. And he just used that as his opportunity. Like, this is what I'm going through. I am in AA. I've been in it for X amount of time and I've never told anybody this, but, um, I decided one day that I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to do this anymore. I didn't want to live with all this pain. And it's crazy that, you know, it has this kind of chain reaction. And the more you talk about it, the more you put it out in the open, the more people are willing to, hey, this is what I'm going through. Now, whether it's a, a, you know, a call for help or, or just to say, hey, I relate to what you're going through, or I can relate to that. Um, it's crazy. It's good. I yeah, I um, I have a pretty good, pretty good guy um, coworker that sat next to me basically at work, um, and uh, I don't know why. I, I just hang out. He and I, I, we're not the greatest of friends. I would say. I mean, but close good friends we we hang out outside of work um but yeah after i saw the doc i i i was open about it i told him yeah man i went i saw the doc you know here's what was going on i was just hanging all the time you know starting to really see the effect you know on my family and he's like i i, I kind of i'm that same kind of way and i was like yeah man like here's what's been going on with me and here's all the stuff that that's been going on and he's like dude I've been having issues with that lately as well. Um, yeah. So I told him, you know, basically the steps that I took and he's like, I, I think, I think I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to, I'm going to go do that as well. 
Um, and he did. He And now he's on um, some medication. And I don't think it's just the matter of, you know, the docs are just trying to push all this medication. I really don't just, it just so happens that the two of us were in a similar situation. Um, and the benefits definitely outweighed, um, you know, the, the negatives or whatever could possibly be there. Um, they were the same way with him. They asked him if he would be okay with it, if it was something that he wanted to try. Um, but yeah, so right from the get go for me, um, I got immediate, gratification maybe or immediate feedback. I don't, I don't really know what way to say it, but because I was open and I told him what was going on with me, um, he was able to go and, and seek help as well. Um, because I, just like you, Zach, I think a lot of, a lot of my friends, um, had really no idea the, like the, the place that I was in. Cause I, I not a very, open person for a lot of things. I don't want people to know what's going on in my marriage. Cause that's, that's my business. Um, so yeah, a lot of things were kind of held from, from even really, really close friends. Um, and then the, the stuff that I did talk about with those close friends, I never really filled them in entirely. Right. Um, so yeah, a lot of people kind of take it. They're like, Oh man, I had no idea that that's, you know, that was going on. Well, yeah, because you learn how to hide it or disguise it or ignore it. Um, that's what I'd really, that, that's probably how I, you just, you learn to ignore it. It's not so much like hiding it. Cause I think hiding it is a, like a conscious decision, um, which in some cases it could be, I think in my, um, in my case, it was that I would just ignore the state right. that I was in. Nah, I'm perfectly fine. Like everything's good. Right. Um, so yeah, like I said, the fact that by telling him what I was going through and what was going on and, and the improvements I was making, it, it prompted him to go talk to somebody. Now, whether his goal was to get on a medication or just to go talk to somebody, ultimately it still had an effect. And he is now in his process of, of recovery, um, feeling better, having a better family life, better situation at home, um, just overall feeling better. Um, so from that, that was, I think kind of another motivator. And I was like, what, what kind of made me decide to be a little more open about what was going on with, with what I was going through. Right. Um, because yeah, just the fact that I was able to talk or willing to talk to somebody about it, it made him want to go and, and do the similar kind of thing. I could have easily just been like, Oh yeah, I, I went to the doc. I'm fine. Right. And not told him what was going on and he would have no idea. And he could still be sitting in a position where he's secretly sliding down that slippery slope and no one has any idea because you can't tell from the outside. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's why um, I wrote that post, you know, you and I had talked about this, you know, I, I talked to you Zach about, um, you know, getting help and, and feeling better and starting medication and seeing the results and all that. Um, and then I was I'm doing this charity ride in September and uh, it just so happens that this year they added mental health to their, their charity cause. Um, and I've, you know, every year I ask for people to donate and everything because it's a cause that I, I believe in and I, I, I like to support it. Um, so I didn't, 
want this year to just turn into another like, oh, hey, he's doing that charity again. Right. No big deal. Um, so it kind of prompted me to write um, a blog post um, for the website. And uh, it kind of brought stuff, even more stuff to my attention that I didn't think had affected me as much. But um, when Shani got home from work that night, I was like, hey, I want you to read this and let me know if you find anything wrong with it if there's spelling or if it just doesn't make sense she's like why don't you read it to me because i gotta cook and i was like uh okay i can do that not a big deal it was harder to read what i wrote than it was writing it like yeah. as i started to read through it like i was getting choked up i was like i i had to stop at several points yeah. like take a deep breath like oh man like when i wrote this i just wrote it and it's not that I was detached from it or that it wasn't real. I was just reading it, you know, it wasn't, it didn't hit me until I read it all. And I was like, Oh yeah. Like, right. all right. This is a lot like now reading it. Like, Oh yeah. There was a lot more going on here than, than I paid attention to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I figured putting that out there and sharing with people so that people knew. Yeah. It, it affects more people than you probably know or can see. And uh, it is something that, that has a huge impact um, on a lot of people's lives, not just the person that's going through it. Yeah, definitely. What uh, now moving forward, you know, you're at 18 now, you got two years left when you get out. I mean, that's when, that's when things hit me was that's when I started feeling like, fuck, what is my purpose in life? Because I don't know. And it's definitely not sitting at this fucking desk and twiddle my goddamn thumbs for nine hours a day. So long term, I mean, when you do get out, you do retire. Are you, is the plan to continue what you're doing? Are you trying to get to a place where you can be more self-sufficient in your own, in your own recovery and rehabilitation? Uh, uh, so to, to continue uh, so with, with go ahead go ahead no you're good man um talking with the doc um they basically had said you know medication is not a forever thing it doesn't it, that's not how it needs to be um and that was something that we talked about before um you know continuing on with the medication or whatever um he said, you know, they found that, you know, in medical studies, people that are on it for, say, nine months to nine months to 12 months um, seem to do a lot better than people that are only on it for four months. So um, whereas before, you know, they would give people antidepressants as like a Band-Aid and just kind of give, get them over that, that little hurdle. Um, so I, I see myself, I'll probably stay on it, um, on the medication for, for nine months to a year or whatever. Um, and then... I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I continue, I plan to continue to see, um, a therapist or psychologist or whoever, um, for that amount of time. And when it comes up on that year of being on medication, talk about maybe getting off of it. Um, and then it'll just be a, a true assessment. I'll, you know, now that I know where I got to before seeking help, um, you know, I hope that if I do come off the medication, I'll be able to see, how I kind of handle things and how I react to them. And, um, if in, 
if if I do need to continue to be on it, then I can address that. And be like, nope, okay, I'm still, I need to be on it. Um, but I, I really hope that in the next year of going and seeing a counselor or therapist or whoever, that I just continue to build up these um, mechanisms to handle stress and cope with, you know, different situations and arguments and all that kind of stuff so that I, I've got that, you know, in my toolkit um, so that I can come off the medication and still have healthy ways um, to deal with things and move forward and assess things. Um, and then, you know, depending on where I'm at, I'll either continue to, to see, seek therapy or whatever. Um, if, if I'm honestly at a point that I just, I don't need it, um, then, then I don't need it. Um, I think part of, part of that road to recovery, so to speak, is also, um, building up the foundation, you know, here in the family and with the wife, um, I'd say a huge part of what has been making things better. Not only that I've been seeking help, obviously, and going and talking, but now my wife knows that I am as well. She's involved. She knows about the medication. She knows that I'm seeing a counselor. Um, so it gives her a new perspective or a new way that she handles things with me. Not that she has to treat me with kid gloves or change the way that she, uh, looks at me or treats me or anything, but she knows that I am making an effort to change things. And it kind of, it makes her change the way that she's handling things too. Whereas before, you know, she might just get pissed off and scream at me. And then that was that. Well, now it's very quick that we'll come back and we'll address that, that argument or situations like, Hey, I'm sorry, being a bitch. I'm tired. I didn't mean to, you know, I don't want you to think that I'm taking it out on you. Awesome. Whereas before that would have never happened. And I would sit and just stew on it and get more and more pissed. So the next argument that came up would just be even worse. Whereas now, you know, something said that even she perceives that she was, you know, being bitchy about it. And she'll come back and be like, Hey, I'm, I'm sorry. Which, you know, I'm like, Hey, I get it. Like you're in the last couple of weeks, you're training, you're stressed. I got it. Like I'm not offended. Like I, I've got enough in me now where I can be like, all right, like, don't, don't take it to heart. Like she's just stressed. So that's, that's where I think over the next year of either of being on the medication, seeing counseling and all that, developing more things between her and I, where we can talk and things can get addressed. Like it's going to build our relationship better so that a year down the road, I don't need medication. I don't need to see a counselor or therapist, whatever it is. Um, we will have enough between the two of us, um, to continue moving forward and talking and, and basically not sliding backwards in, in, in the way things are. Um, and then when I go to get out, if, uh, if that hits me in a, in a, in a different way with that separation and everything, um, at least I will, again, hopefully be able to recognize and see the signs and address them early on, um, and not let things progress to where basically they got to this time so that right. when I get out, okay, now I'm starting to stress or I'm starting to, to feel detached again or, or something like that. May, maybe I need to go talk to somebody outside of my family to, to, you know, seek outside sources to see what else can be done. Um, so yeah, that's really what, what this whole next year is going to be about is, is figuring out what works for me and what I need to do to stay on this this path, this like, you know, playing field. 
Good man, Charlie Brown. <laughs> Doing big things, man. I like it. I like it a lot. Yep. I'm going to have to get going here shortly because the baby's been probably sleeping for way too long. On the floor <laughs> in the corner. Which yeah, in the corner. So which which means if if, uh, if I don't get him up soon, I'm gonna be up late tonight Dude, with him. I know that role, man. I get yeah, it. Yeah, so it's fantastic. But yeah, I definitely wanted to definitely wanted to talk and, and get out as much of this as possible. And I still feel like there's probably still more there. I know even while I was talking, I was thinking about so many other different things um, right. that have gone on that add um Maybe those can be the subject of another conversation. Yeah, man. There's no limit. It's not like, you know, we're never going to talk again or can't talk again. And right. so it's, yeah. uh, man, think of shit, write shit down. We'll talk about it, hash it out. And it's cool. I'm glad you're doing this. And I'm glad that you're willing to let me fucking put it out there. And hopefully, uh, well, some, you know, somebody can hear I, it. You know, and I've, I, I really haven't even said anything about it, but. I think also part of what prompted me to uh, to look at things in my own life were, you know, I, I was talking to you one day and you were struggling. You were telling me that, you know, you were having issues with stuff. Right. Um, and, you know, that's a complete 180 from, from who I knew back in Texas and most of the other conversations we had along the way. You know, I talked to you, I guess it was a couple months ago, and you were saying you were just really – struggling and it's funny because we've said it here in this conversation but even in that you're like yeah i'm just gonna keep doing what i need to fucking do because right kids gotta do my gotta do what i gotta do right man Um, and that's that's the mentality that i was in and i was in a i was in a weird place you know coming off of, of surgery and not able to do the things i wanted to do and um kind of just getting wrapped up into my own head and and I, I think I even told you, like, man, I just had to get out of my own head because yeah. I was sitting there thinking about, you know, I guess I, I was pretty negative. And to quote fucking was master resiliency training that the Army makes you go to every year, you yeah. got to hunt the good stuff. And I lost that. Yeah. I lost it when I decided that I was just going to be pissed because I couldn't do the things that I wanted to do. And I wasn't seeking out all those things that I was doing or that I that I was grateful for, like having the family, like like coming home and my kid running into my arms or my daughter finally starting to walk. When my daughter walked for the first time, that was the first time in since she was born probably, so about a year, 11, 13 months, that I legitimately cried. And I didn't even know why. Um, other than it was just a powerful moment. It was just one of those things where I hadn't shown any emotion. I was I was angry all the time. And I'm not saying that her walking snapped me out of it, but it it made me realize that there are fantastic things going on all around me and I might not like what I do every day, but if I if I can put in the effort and I can realize that what I'm doing maybe isn't as as rewarding as what I used to do or um, as beneficial uh, to the greater good, I guess. Uh, at least I'm doing something. And, you know, that turned me around. It was a, it was a lot of very difficult conversations with Brittany 
and her saying those things in me and seeing how angry I was and how unhappy I was and the same thing, how that made her feel. And it kind of woke me up and where I, what I, where I didn't go and seek professional help, I still used those things, those, those signals that I was getting from all around me of, Hey, something's not right. And just trying to make those changes. And I started getting into hobbies and, you know, I showed Nate some of the stuff I've been doing. It's just like woodworking. I'd come home for three hours, you know, between me getting home and and wife and kids getting home. And I would just start building stuff and just work into hobbies and just kind of find my own peace with having a purpose and doing these things. And I kind of worked myself out of it. I never got to the point where I was so miserable that I felt like I, you know, I just, I need to go um, seek help, but also the resources for me aren't, the resources while you're in the army, are, they're, they're right there, they're right in front of you, they don't cost you anything, you can go and do it. And my whole thought process was, well, I really don't have the money to do this right now, and I know it's another excuse. So I just started doing things that I knew that I would enjoy, and then I used those things instead of, instead of, um, using them as my own kind of selfish. Like I need to, I need to do this for me. I kind of turned it into, well, how can I do this to benefit, you know, somebody else? And that kind of connected me with another person, and another person, and it was just. Dude, telling you that that day, and I still remember. We have this, we have this little lounge in our in our building, in the Shangri-La that I work at. Every time I tell people about it, they're like, "Why are you so upset?" Like we have a ping pong table, pool table, Xbox. We have this meditation room where there's a waterfall wall, and music plays all the time, and candles are burning. You can just go sit in there and relax for like however the fuck long you want. And I remember I was sitting in that fucking room. And all the the twinging and twanging of whatever instruments playing on a loop uh, was going, and the candles were burning, the waterfall was going, and I'm sitting there and I'm telling you, like, I am fucking struggling. I hate what I'm doing. The people I'm with are always so negative. And, you know, just getting that out alone, and Nate and I have had this conversation a dozen fucking times, we're just getting that out and talking about the shit it's therapeutic and it might not be like a professional thing but dude sitting down and just talking to you guys even tonight is just it's nice it's good and i don't think we that people do it enough because nobody wants to burden anybody with their own issues but if you find the right or people, look weak. Right, right, or look weak, and if you but if you find the right people that you can be vulnerable around, or that you can feel can can carry that burden a little bit for you, which is part of the reason why I opened up to both of you guys. But like I said, Nick, I didn't know the struggles that that you were going through, and maybe at the time you didn't realize the struggles you were going through either. But right, and that's why I laid that on you, and you know I'd do it again a thousand times over if I had to because that was. Like my friends and my family are my outlet. Like I, my wife, the same situation. She was 
another, you know, she was another turning point for me where she was just like, she'd start crying at how angry I was. And just ask me flat out, why are you so unhappy? And I I had no answer. I, I don't know. I don't know. And, you know, you start to look and, and, you know, do a little introspection. Is that a word? Fuck it. I don't know. But you start looking at yourself and being like, dude, what the fuck is going on? And, uh, yeah. you know, that was, that was an eye-opener. And, you know, like I said, I went back to the old Sergeant Joshua Allen, Nick's best friend, teaching me fucking master resiliency training and and uh, telling me to hunt the good stuff. And I just started, I started doing that a little bit more and a little bit more. Uh, I still hate what I do. Let's make that very clear. I do not, <laughs> I do not like what I do. But, uh, man, I've learned to just, not get so bogged down in the bullshit and uh you know just do it and and know that that's not that's not a permanent i guess for me my perspective changed when i realized like this isn't the rest of my life and i'm not going to do this forever but for right now i need to do it and 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 i'm going to do it and i'm going to do it until something else comes along and that next thing that comes along is going to be great you know it's just like anything else you, 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 all your ex-girlfriends you know build you up to the wife that you love and the woman that you know you dedicate your life to and and that's kind of the situation is like I know this isn't this isn't the one I'm gonna this isn't the job I'm gonna marry this isn't the thing I'm gonna do for the rest of my life but it's a step towards that and maybe I need to go through this struggle right now so that my next step isn't a struggle so that maybe I can do something like this and I can deal with or help other people or just get back to just serving people in a different way in being a steward of my community to take a line from fucking what's his name god damn it what was our uh, what was our sergeant major's name before um, god damn what was his name Anyways, I remember sitting in a board and he was, what's that? Bagwood? No, before him. Who was it? Oh. I know, he went on uh, to be Sergeant Major. Ipsley. Yeah. And we were sitting in a board one day and he was like, how are you a steward to your community? How do you give back? How do you serve your community? And I was like, fuck, I don't know. But to steal a line from him, he's like, be a steward to your community. Be a steward in life. And that's kind of all I want to do. I don't give a fuck. How much money I make doing it? If I could, if I could just do something that could make one difference in one person, then that's okay. Are you waking him up right now? Let that boy sleep. I'm trying. Let that boy sleep, bro. <laughs> <laughs> sleeping on the floor in the corner. Eighteen beds in that house and two couches, and he's sleeping on the floor in the corner. <laughs> yeah. Dude, Cameron fell asleep one time, feet on the floor, bent over a rocking chair, and it was still rocking, and he just knocked the fuck out. Yeah. I don't know what he was doing in here. Like I said, he climbed off the bed, and I was in there laying down with him. Right. Um, and he came into this corner. He's got a pencil. That's great. <laughs> That's great. 
Uh, I don't see any writing on the walls, but as long as yeah, I don't know. I, want, I don't know. Wonder what he's doing here. The pencil's but not in his eye, so that's good. He stab himself, and there's yeah. Lock him. Get up. Giant sloth on the ground. Look at <laughs> that dude's comfortable, man. Let him be. <laughs> no, I I gotta wake him up. He's gonna be a nightmare later. He's gonna be up till midnight. Yeah, just running around. All right, um, brother. Hey, you guys can continue on if uh, if, you, if you're gonna keep going. I, I gotta get him up and get him moving so that I don't have to stay, stay up for all night trying to wear him out again. All right, man. I appreciate you. I'll let you know where uh, where this is going and and uh, we'll go forward from here. Yeah. Sounds good, man. All right, brother. We'll talk to you guys soon. All right, man. All right, have Take a good evening. See you guys. Bye. Yeah. Heavy. Yeah, man. Fucking heavy. What a good dude, though. Yeah, man, for sure. What a fucking good dude. I gotta take a piss. Go for it. And then you and I are gonna talk. Let's do it. I'm about to get real serious. Yeah, man. When's your wife come back? I go up there... The first, and we come back like the third. That's right. I was talking to her today. She's like, I should probably talk. She's like, I should probably go see Zach and Brittany before I leave. And I was like, Yeah. Hey, man, no pressure. All right. No pressure. It'd be great to see her. I'd love to meet your little kid, but for sure. Obviously, I'm never going to, I'm never going to be like, You got to come here. I can't believe you didn't come here. Fuck off. No, it's not me. <laughs> Zach, I just farted. You can't hear that. Do my thing. I hope you hear this when you. Listen to this, dude. I meant to tell Nick, and I might as well say it now. But you know, there was one time I went to the VA, and I was like, I need to talk to somebody in mental health, like right now. And uh, they sent me to this lady, and I don't know. I don't know if she was busy or she didn't give a fuck, or both. But man, I was just sitting there and I was talking to her. And she was literally like, she had, it was me on a chair, not even a cool chair, like a fucking waiting room chair. I was just sitting on a chair in her office and there was two monitors in front of her face and there was like a a six inch gap between the two monitors. And she never once looked at me while I was talking. She asked me what was going on and I was telling her and I was basically telling telling her what I've been telling you guys and what I've been telling you about. Just, the, you know, the struggles and shit that I was going through. And she never looked at me. Not one time. She just, uh-huh, and kept typing. And she's typing, and she's typing, and she's typing. And at the end of it, she literally pulled out pamphlets on on breathing techniques and ways to exercise to, rele- to alleviate stress. And she said, you know, look through these, and if you have any other questions, just call and set up an appointment and come back. And that was the last fucking mental health thing I ever went to. Um, and that was it. And it's discouraging. It's shit like that where you're like, well, fuck, why would, I, why would I keep going and doing that? It's humiliating. You know, you open up to these people. And you tell them what's yeah. going on in your life. And you have this family at home. She asked, she asked me two questions. She said, have you ever had any, what'd she say? suicidal ideations have I ever thought about 
making a plan to kill myself. No, not once. Have ever had any homicidal ideations? No, not at all. Okay. And that was that was the extent of her participation. And uh yeah, yes, dude. And that the you know, that's the that's the bitch of it. And just like Nick was saying, it doesn't matter. You open up to somebody and they sh- they they blow you off or they don't react in a way you think they should react and so you never want to do it again. Yeah. And I never went back. And I, I think that's maybe part of the reason that when I was when I was going through the stuff that I was telling Nick about originally or you know, that we just talked about is I didn't I didn't want to do that again. I didn't want to go and have somebody sit there and and just try to fill up their time. Yeah. With my bullshit. And so whatever. Fucking BA, dude. Yeah. It's weird, man. Like hearing you guys like talking, I'm like, man. We're at like three different stages. <laughs> I don't I don't know, man. I definitely still get like the feeling of just like fucking A. What the fuck am I doing, right? It's like Yeah. What and like there's like the guilt of it. The fucking guilt is what really bothers me. The guilt of, of getting out? That guilt? No. The guilt of like, dude, what the like? Look at your fucking house, man. Oh, the guilt of, the, of feeling that. Look way. at the cars you drive. Right. What the, like, what? But none of that shit matters, <laughs> right? What are you complaining about? Right, but I know if you look at, I mean, look at Nick. Look at look at the situation he's in. Lives in Hawaii. Yeah. Beautiful house. Beautiful wife. Two wonderful kids. And still going through that struggle. But there is that. Yeah. There is that guilty feeling. There is that. Like, why the. F- fuck do I feel this way it doesn't make sense and I'm a piece of shit for feeling it but you're not yeah, that's, man. you're really not I, when I was in North Carolina for the vacation Mitch and I stayed up for a little bit longer than everybody else I think it was a lot the last night we were there dude I, I was like man like I don't have the same like nihilistic feelings I had last year but I'm still I'm I'm I like I'm aware that I'm getting better, but I'm still like, dude, last year, like right around this year, like, like this time last year, I was just fucking in a dark place. Nothing like terrible. I was just like, what the fuck? There's no point to anything. Like, just never happy. Just getting up, going through the motions. Never happy. And like I told Mitch, and this is like probably my like darkest, like darkest thing, but there were like a couple days like back last year. I'm like, man, like, what if I like went home and like Tess and June are just like dead? Right. Right. And I'm a sociopath because I don't love them enough where that like would only affect me for like two weeks or a year. Or is that my, it, it, it is, is that my way out to just be like, all right, well. Right. But you don't, but you don't know where those things really come bad. from, but you have to deal with them. And if you don't deal with them, they come back. Yeah. And if you don't, Great. it just, it, it doesn't make sense. Thoughts like that don't make sense, and you're not alone in that. I've been through that hundreds of times where you're like, what the fuck? Why the fuck am I thinking about this? Yeah, but definitely probably like the lowest, <laughs> yeah. lowest thought I read. Yeah, and it's awful. It's awful that shit like that creeps into your head. But you're not the only one. 
and we're not the only two. You know what I mean? Like, it's, I'm not saying that it's normal, but it's not abnormal. I think it is normal, to be honest with you. <laughs> and it might be. That might be I just a legitimate people, thing. I want people to be able to talk about it. And the seven people that listen to this. Right. I hope five are like, you know what? I don't fucking know these guys, but. Right. But Jesus. everybody's going through a struggle, even if it's a little struggle. Yeah, I just need something. I, like, I don't have, you know, the fucking, the hobby yet. You know, I, I started going to school because, you know, that's a really good idea. Yeah, why not? Get your fucking education. <laughs> Don't you bog yourself down with some more stress, too, while you're at it. But, uh, and, but like, you know, we, it falls into that same thing we were talking about earlier. Like, I'm doing this because I need to better myself for from a from an appearance and from, a, from like, a resume standpoint. Right. But, like, gee, man. It's a short-term struggle for a long-term gain, right? And that's what you keep telling yourself. But how long, you know, which one's short and which one's long? And True. Question of the night right there. Holy shit. That's the same the same with you know, this job. As much as I know that this is a short term struggle, how short is it gonna be? And that's the question. And I think that's what bogs me down on days where I'm just like, fuck this. It's just like how much longer can this go on? But yeah. But you don't see an out unless you make an out for yourself. And hopefully this is this is that out or this leads to that out or you know, like I said, if I could just help somebody that's going through the same struggle, and even if it's just you or Nick or the dude I work with, Chris or Drew or any of those guys, to just know that, hey, this isn't a fight that you have to take all the stuff. Because it's not, even when it feels that way. All right. You're going to drink. Oh, you're good. Nothing quite like talking uh, talking about mental health for two hours and then and then making some alcohol for yourself, right? Well, every now and then it's okay as long as you don't self medicate. Yeah, I've never been one of those people. I don't think probably one of the few things we got going for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's another thing that I think has helped me tremendously is I don't drink like I used to. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just not not something I enjoy. I, I don't I don't enjoy I enjoy it while it's happening, but I don't enjoy a the the physical effects of it, or b right. knowing that sometimes when I'm drinking, it's just to escape the situation that I'm in or the situation that I just came from. You know what I mean? Absolutely, it's not healthy. Plus, it's, it's fucking poison. Like, it's poison. Oh, yeah. It's it's literally, it kills you. You drink enough of it, you'll die. Yeah. And uh, there's something, something weird and twisted about that, that culturally, and maybe maybe that's a, a glimpse into the, our culture, is like, that's accepted. You're supposed to, mm-hmm. you're supposed to drastically alter your state of mind with stuff this shit that can kill you. As long as you do it in small doses, it's socially acceptable. But don't be the asshole that gets drunk and tries to fight everybody or whatever the fuck. Yeah. It's crazy, man. 
Talking about reading this text message. No, you're good. But it's 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 good to know that people are willing to talk and and to share that shit. It's cr- like I was telling Nick, man. Physically, he's the strongest dude I know. But I also also thought that he was like emotionally, mentally, that you know, strong, solid, mm-hmm. and. When he called me a couple of months ago, and and it it took me, it, I was just taken aback by it, and I didn't, I didn't know how to respond. I didn't think that I responded the correct way, and and I called him back, not two days later, just to talk to him about it, and he didn't answer, and he didn't answer, and I thought, oh fuck, you know, this is, this is it. I, not that I thought anything bad happened, but I just thought like, well, I fucked that up. And he's not going to want to talk to me about it again. And uh, I carried that for a little while. And when I finally did talk to him, I mean, it was it was amazing. Because he was right back to it, right back to opening up. And, and I told him, like, dude, I don't think I handled that very well. He's like, you did what you had to do. And I knew yeah. at that point, like, there was more to the conversation. And we continued to talk. And then we end up here, which is great. But it's not easy. It's not an easy place to get to. And with you, obviously, I can talk about shit like that. And, yeah. You know, with a handful of other people. But it's tough to just be that vulnerable. And for him to do that, and not only do that here, but to do it with a bunch of strangers. Uh, with his blog posts and all that stuff. I mean, it's crazy. He might not want to hear how strong he is, but I mean, I could, if I was going through that and I've gone through pieces of that, it's, I'd never open up to it about anybody. I have a hard time talking to my wife about it. Yeah. Like it's weird. So do I like, I think I'm pretty, I mean, I'm a very emotional, sensitive person. Like I'm, I'm, I'm pretty well aware of that aspect of my personality. Right. I don't know. Like it's weird. Like okay, I am sensitive and emotional, but like at the same time, I am. Ah, like yeah, we're good. Yeah, you don't you don't let on to it, and I can sing. I can sing some goofy fucking show tunes at ten in the morning on a Saturday. Right. And everything is fucking okay, but in twenty minutes, I'm gonna be mowing my fucking backyard. Thinking, well, I'm pissed. (laughs) This is fucking terrible. For no reason, right? Yeah. Well, now I have an armadillo in my backyard, so there's a reason now. But that's pretty cool. It's not, man. They got like leprosy and shit, and like I don't do wildlife, and I definitely don't do wildlife in my area. Yeah, man, you have a problem with frogs. I'll start my grill, and I was like, "What's that in the corner of my eye?" And I see Maisie dart through the middle of my yard. I'm like, "What the heck?" Fucking armadillo, dude. That's fucking God damn it. <laughs> That's fucking cool. Do you know that they're fucking idiots? But when they cross, you know, and like in Texas, you see them dead on the side of the road. You know their defense they mechanism. They jump into the car. They're fucking dumb. Yeah, their defense mechanism is to is to get into a little ball, right? But to do that, they gotta yeah. jump. So when a car drives over them, they jump Bang. right into that motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, well, that didn't work, did it? You alive armadillos I've ever seen because you know I was working night shift at Hood, dude. Oh, dude, they're <laughs> everywhere. Like it's like, like once a week. Night. Oh, there's another one. 
Yep. Fucking retarded. It's like a squirrel. You always got to think that that motherfucker's going to turn around and just run under your tire because they're not, they freak out. Just run, fucker. You're going to make it. Goddamn squirrels. Armadillos are cool. You know what I have in my backyard? Well, last year I had a, a fox that gave birth to six other foxes, which was neat because they'd, they'd come out and they'd play during the day and stuff, which mm-hmm. was cool. Just like six puppies in your backyard. And then one day they were eating a dead rabbit that their mom had brought to them. Just right in my backyard, just munching on it. That was neat. For sure. But then you have my son who wants to go and see what they're eating. And he's like, what happened to that rabbit? I'm like, um, he's dead. Circle that. Yeah, he doesn't know what that means. But <laughs> we've watched Lion King six times this week. So he's learning. You watched the Lion King? Dude, we have watched. I bought it on Monday. Um. Because once a month I try to go and, and get a new movie because if I don't, we're going to end up watching the same shit. So I got The Lion King. And we watch it. We watched it every night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Um, and when it ends, we start it over. But he's learning all about death. He keeps wondering what happens to Mufasa. He hasn't quite figured out the whole dying thing. He just thinks, oh, well. He's sleeping, and he's no longer in the movie. But oh, not looking forward to that part. Uh, I don't want to have that conversation, but you want to have it about movies, I guess. Uh, my nephew yeah. was about that's pretty weird. Yeah, I personally really struggle with like mortality. That's really that. Yeah, dude, I I, I get real fucked up. Liz is turning sixty next year. That fucking bothers me yeah that's pretty wild that you're i didn't realize that your parents were that old but and you're so young that's i'll see bill uh, you know i'll see him twice a year every time i see bill he's just a little less worse for wear man i'm like you're a little more worse for wear and i'm like more, god more worse. I'm like, dude yeah it's uh i don't struggle Fuck. with the mortality i think the older i get and i, I think about this probably more often than i should and I think it, it boils down to um, when I'm sitting in my job and I'm like, none of this fucking matters. None of it does. I'm going to die and I'm not even, I'm not going to care anymore. The only thing I care about is the, the, my wife and kids and, and what they're going to do afterwards. And I think that's selfish too. Yeah. But I think about like, not that it's, me being alive doesn't matter because I think it, it does, but not to be afraid of it because it's, it's going to happen and B, why? Why why care? It's, I don't know. It's, it's a weird thing. And I think the older yeah. I get and the more experiences I have, and especially having kids, you want to be around for them so you do whatever you can to stay around longer and and whether that's getting healthy physically or mentally or emotionally or, or setting them up for success financially um, and giving them those those tools, like Nick was saying, to cope with things. it's That's kind of the goal. And, you know, if I have to go through a little struggle now so that 
financially they can be taken care of in the long run, and that's okay. Like I said, it's it's a it's a step, it's a struggle that has to be gone through for now, but it's not going to be yeah. gone through forever, on more in more ways than one. You know. Yeah, I think about that a lot. Just like the proper the proper raising of our kids. Like, okay, yeah, the thing is, oh yeah, look, there's no manual for kids. I understand that, man. Our kids are getting like okay. This is without a doubt the greatest time to be alive ever. I would I'd argue it probably tooth and nail. But and tomorrow is going to be even better than today. And it's yeah, just that's like the way. Holy it shit! I have to teach things to them about a world I don't even know that I probably can't even comprehend. No, none and, of us can. But all you can, and you don't think about the things that you have to teach them. Until you have to teach them those things. And it's crazy. Even like... (laughs) Like little shit. Like the other day I told Cameron, I said, okay. Just like this. I just made the little circle (laughs) with my fingers. And I said, okay, buddy. And he said... He just made a fist and he said, okay. I said, no, buddy. It's like like this. He's like, how? And so we went through this five-minute thing where I was... Make it, put all five fingers up, and then he does the mommy finger or daddy finger song. He loves that fucking song. He's, I said, make daddy finger a mommy finger kiss, and that's what he does. And he's like, okay. You don't think about the little shit. You have to teach these little shits. It's just like, don't poop in your pants. That's a given, right? No, it's not. They shit in their pants all the time. Cameron was outside today playing, rocking it. Hey, buddy, you got to go potty? No, two minutes later. Dumped in his pants. <laughs> he just gets too excited. It's just little things. But yeah, how do you, how do you prepare your children for a world you don't even know? The only thing you can do is reflect on your past and assume that everything's going to be status quo, and yeah. uh, you just. Don't teach them to be assholes. And I think the only way to do that is to not be an asshole. Because it doesn't matter what you tell them. is They're going to absorb what you show them. And I think that goes back to what Nick was saying. It's just like, I don't want my kids to end up being this hateful, mean asshole. You don't want to make the same mistakes that your parents made and not saying that yeah, his parents so, made any mistakes. I think it's so observant. I think they're so smart at, at reading things a lot of adults aren't able to do anymore, man. They, they absorb everything, and yeah, the older you get, the less you pick up on. Definitely absorbs things, but man, I think they pick up on things that e- even if you're fucking happy-go-lucky on the outside, man, I think they know something else is there. Yeah, and I don't know, like, might be difficult to prove, but just like, dude, yeah, I'd rather have them like have a memory of me being like, okay, maybe losing my temper once or twice, but like, also. You know, you know, dad was all always like, he was always looking for the best in things. I'd rather have that than like, yeah, you know, he always was there until he take me to baseball, but like he was never engaged. Right. And that's, that's the thing that I try to pay attention to too, is like, put my fucking phone down, close the screens, turn off the TV and just watch him play be, and be involved be, in what he's doing. They don't know what they're doing. They're, they're one. 
Right. Why are you taking so long, June? Because I don't know what this fucking shelf is. That's why. Right. That's why, Dad. I get so upset when I'm like trying to get him dressed and he gets distracted and and, and I talk like I only have a son, but Ava's just like such a little blob that she moves super slow and you know, he's in that that total aware mode where everything is like there and he's aware of everything that's going on so he'll be starting to get dressed i'll be getting him dressed in the morning and he'll just take off and start playing and i'm like dude what are you doing and he'll just come running back oh sorry dad smile on his face and i'm so i try not to be so mad but you know he's picking up on that just Uh, what i try to pay attention to is that's not upsetting um quite a quite a like quite a few times over the past month like mitch like the brother still lives in Buffalo, man. He, you know, he struggles with anger, and like Tess is like, man, you know, I've been up here. It's just like, I don't know, like, not, not that he's doing anything wrong, but like, she's like, I, I see us doing that probably more than I would like to. So, like, I think right. we should both work, just not be so, you know, whether that's yelling at the dogs, like, just stop it, you know? Right. She picks up. Yeah, I get I get upset at, at Mongo. And uh, I'll see Cameron doing the same thing, and I'll get mad at Cameron. Right, but yeah, where the fuck did he get it from? He got it from me. Yeah, and crazy man. I try to be conscious of when I'm feeling a certain type of way. Like if I'm feeling stressed out, or I feel like I'm I'm trying to mask that I'm stressed out or angry. I try to pay attention to where he's at and what emotions he's kind of portraying and and they're they're a bit of the same and you kind of got to realize he's feeding off of whatever you're giving him you know Ava is too and she's so little and and even if I'm upset she's so eager to just want to be held at that time and I'm not saying that she's she's trying to calm me down but I feel like she's upset too and she's yeah. just projecting that emotion because that's what she's seeing so that's what she's doing and you try not to be like that and you try to come home and not be angry and you try to be happy around your kids because they genuinely make you happy and it's yeah. it's it's hard it's sometimes because it's it's so much easier to maintain anger than it is to maintain happiness oh yeah it's 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 so unfair. That's the way our fucking minds, I think, are naturally wired. Yeah, it's it's baloney. I'll have a good, I'll have a good day at work, and then all of a sudden, you know, something will happen on my on my ride home. Something will just fucking not turn out on a green light. And That's it. I'm fucked, dude. And you fucked. You carry that shit. Go home, Tess. Like, how was how was work? That was all right. Right. That's so unfair, man. Yeah, no, I agree. I've just been talking to a fucking one-year-old all day. <laughs> right. She's been at home all day with nobody to have. I want to hear more than three fucking words, you selfish right. idiot. Right. And then I'm like, hey, Tess, I don't think you're, I don't think we're intimate enough. No, no shit, man. Right. What are you giving? What, what are you giving? For real. Right. And God damn. I think. I think the past few months have been great as far as my self-awareness, but I'm not 
I'm not good enough to apply what I'm realizing about myself. Right. I'm not there yet. And this, I mean, shit, I'm fucking 30, man, and I, I still deal with the same thing. It's like, I see it. I see how angry I am, and I can even be angry and tell myself, you're being a fucking dipshit. And yeah. I, it still takes me an hour to just <clears throat> to get through it. And uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. You don't you don't want to project that onto your kids. You don't want them to deal with that the same way you do it. And you don't want your kids to make the same mistakes you make. Uh, that's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid I'm, that I'll make the I same am. mistakes my parents made. And I had a great, I, had a, I mean, I have no complaints. I was fortunate my parents got divorced when I, I wasn't fortunate that they got divorced. I was, I was fortunate at how they handled that um, mm-hmm. around me and my brother. And my stepdad is an amazing man. Uh, took on two kids at you know ages of like two and three yeah. that weren't his and raised them as his own. Um, I was fortunate enough to have two great fathers in my life and where I think my dad had some shortcomings growing up um, my stepdad was there uh, and did everything that a father should do and my mom did the same thing she took the hand that she was dealt and and put my brother and I in in a, a wonderful situation to have a great stepfather and uh you know they ended up having a kid together and my sister and I had a great childhood you know in spite of my parents getting divorced and dealing with that whole hey every other week I'm going to live with my dad in two weeks a year and I didn't see my dad growing up as much as I wanted to, and part of that was me, and, and not because I, I didn't want to see him, but because you, you get to be 14, 15, 16, 17 years old in high school, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, you go into your dad, it takes uh, a back seat to playing, hanging out with your friends, and I was fortunate enough to have a, a father that understood. And yeah, you know, I'm closer to him now than I ever was growing up, and I, I think that has a lot to do with communication. But the point being is I don't think my parents made mistakes raising me. I think that there were times where things could have been different, and I think some of my anger maybe stems from the way situations were handled as I was growing up, and I don't want I don't want those... To be repeated, you don't want to continue that cycle. Uh, you want you you want for your kids um, to have a a better a better life than you have, and I think that's universal for any parent that's worth the shit. And uh, it's crazy. It's just it's it's wild. Being a parent is is amazing. And it's indescribable, and nobody ever tells you, and it's absolute bullshit, that 
you don't know vulnerability until you have a child and you realize that you a you've never loved anything like you could ever love a child and you don't know love and honestly you don't and it sounds like oh you know you got a kid you think you're better than no you don't know unconditional true love until you have a child and any and again any parent that's worth their weight in shit will tell you the same thing there's there's nothing like raising a child yeah and there's no love greater than than the love you have for your kids if you're worth the shit well that's one of my that's one of the issues I, I think that I try to deal with on it it's just not being in control of everything is hard oh, man, and it's man. even harder when when you're a parent cuz there's the the stakes are much higher yeah i'm a natural born uh warrior slash i don't like the word control freak i don't need to be in control i just need didn't know what's going on. I'm a warrior who needs to know what's going. What needs like who needs to know what's going on, and that is right. The dang fucking combo, man. <laughs> like, right, and I and I think that, that that's kind of what gravitated us towards each other um, very quickly was that similarity. Not only do we have shared interests, but but I think we we operate on the same wavelength in that respect. Um, and before we had kids, when it was just fucking us partying and drinking and oh God, the good old days, man, <laughs> the good old days, man, is just watching college football and fucking off on a giant screen and drinking all the time. But um, I think there's that similarity, and I think that those are the qualities that I look for in a lot of people. Is just you know. You make friends in a really weird way, and it's it's strange that you know you let so you let a bunch of people. It's like you're throwing fucking noodles at the wall, right? Some of them are gonna yeah. stick, and some of them aren't. And that and that's kind of the process I think you go through when you when you either a make acquaintances or or b make make friendships. Is like some of those noodles are gonna yeah. stick, and some of them aren't, and that's okay. And uh, it's just you gravitate towards like-minded people and it's 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 crazy i like the analogy i mean i'm gone for i'm gone for 7 years and i i'm ever i'm ever going back and right it's it's very clear to me yeah it's very clear to me who i know like who i can who i could call on Friday right. Saturday Three thirty in the morning on a Saturday, either telling them that I'm fucking in a ditch in prison, or that I just need to fucking like, tell them something. Right, you're in a weird place, and you don't necessarily want to get out of it. You just want somebody else to be aware yeah. of that place that you're in, and then you don't want them to fix it. You just want them to know, and uh, it's difficult. It's difficult to be that vulnerable, but. At the same time, I mean, if you don't, if you don't do what Nick's doing, if you don't do what we're doing right now, you're going to end up either miserable and alone or miserable and in a place you never wanted to be. 
or dead. Yeah. And uh, and that's a sad world. And I think that the military exacerbates that. It, it gives you this this real sense of community, this real sense of of everybody with a shared purpose and knowing that no matter what, right or left of you, there's somebody that at least has an inkling of of that very real reality of, uh, you know, one of us could die. And I hope it's not the guy next to me. I'd rather it be me. And you know, yeah. you know that, you know that that's a very real feeling. And then all of a sudden. That isn't, sorry, cutting you off. But that yeah. statement isn't something that, I mean, I'm not saying it's 100% unique to vets, but Jesus, man. It's, it's, that's, it's not it's what it is. Is is a hundred percent indescribable. No, it, and it, and it really isn't trying to explain it to somebody that doesn't understand. Is it's talking to a wall, and uh, it's just crazy. It's yeah. It's like, not known if you're going to find that again. Is is difficult, but everybody I that I gravitate it, towards on being out. Yeah. Is is Chris the dude that that's, that's I'm not gonna find the dude by six months in Afghanistan on those fucking planes were like two of these people I know, one I'll never see again two might be the only flight I ever flew with them but holy shit man like you still know yeah. them you still know that if you called them right now oh, right fucking now that that they would sit there and they would listen to you and you might never ever talk to them again. Because for fucking six hours on a random fucking day in fucking Nangar province, we're on a goddamn plane, wasting our fucking lives together. Right. Absolutely. Nobody else fucking understands that. You were shit. My wife, personally, better than anybody in the entire world. She doesn't understand that, like, dude, these people know me. On a very, on a very real sense. You weren't just sitting up there talking talking about the weather because the weather didn't mean shit you didn't give a fuck about what the weather was you were sitting up there and you were talking about your lives and what you were going to do and what you did before and and how much right now fucking really blows and it's two in the morning and everybody's sleeping and uh you're not you wanted nothing more than to reach back and tell your old lady what was going on or take selfies and uh but you couldn't (laughs) and uh I, mean, I mean, it's crazy. I do quickly, but noticed. No, no, of course I noticed. But, uh, man, it's cool. It's, it's, it's hard to explain to somebody what that is. But at the same time, you can see it. You can see it on people that you never met. You know, my buddy Drew, who I, I spoke about briefly um, earlier, a Marine vet, and I could just see today that, he was just in a bad place. And uh, he has been for a little while. But today he was wearing it. And he just wouldn't yeah. talk and he wouldn't talk and he wouldn't talk. And, and and you can only ask so many times before you're being a douchebag. And finally, he just came up to me and he was like, dude, let's, let's go. Let's just go do something. So we just sat and talked and he was just... We played ping pong. What helps loosen up, but you could just tell he just wasn't he wasn't in a good place and he he went to Iraq twice when Iraq was Iraq. Um I think in two thousand four and two thousand six. 
uh, for a year at a time. And he was a Marine Seaburn guy and just lost friends and and of it. And now he's doing the same thing I'm doing. He's writing a desk and not wanting to be a part of anything that he's doing and doesn't know what he is a part of anymore. And I'm just trying to bring him into this fold. And, uh, you know, I invited him to come in and, and talk with us tonight or any time. And hopefully he does someday. Um, yeah, absolutely. He's just not one to share. And he was a super quiet guy, and I'm the type to never... <laughs> positive or negative trait, I'll never let somebody sit and suffer alone. Um, and so, I, and, you know, the way we became friends is I just, hey, man, what are you doing? How are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Then we'd start talking about him and the Marines, me and the Army, and just... Right. It's, it's such a weird dynamic. Like, you know... It is. Talk about, you know... We're talking about the VA earlier and whatever, like okay, we talked about them, but like yeah, they provide they technically provide all these resources, but like you hear all these like success stories of like the organizations that are made just by vets because you know they have all those like programs set up by like the government shit, but like the ones that I think are like doing something is this fact that like I don't know if they're like ignorant to the fact of it, but like there's something that even if you did a six month deployment, fucking pushing paper or a 18 month deployment fucking shitting in foxholes every fucking day. There's something that there's, there's no way to transition that. Even if you come out scot-free, hundred percent scot-free mentally, there's nothing that is, that is in place. That's like it for you to deal with that. Even if you didn't realize it when you were in, like it hits you like a ton of fucking bricks as soon as you get out. Yeah. Even if you didn't realize it in that that you had this like fucking crazy camaraderie, I hate that word. I can't say it, but like I can't spell it. So there you go. As soon as you fucking, as soon as it's not there, it hits. It it fucking hits you. And some people don't realize it. For me, I was like, "What the fuck is going on? I don't understand why I'm slightly off." Like, dude, I just got out of the army. I'm fucking loving my life. What? That's what you, you wanted. Know what it right? was? You wanted to be done. It was done. the fact that I couldn't fucking tell a dick joke to the guy next to me at six twenty-five in the morning at fucking PT formation. Right. That's it. Right. What was the fucking thing? You just didn't have that. I can, you know, just everybody was on the same page, and it didn't matter that you were struggling because you were struggling together. It didn't matter that you were that it was twenty-three degrees and you were doing PT in shorts and a t-shirt at six in the morning because you were doing it with fucking a hundred other people and you all fucking hated it. But you had to play like, oh, I'm fucking motivated. I'm here to do it. No, man. Everybody's A, super sensitive, and B, nobody wants to fucking talk to anybody. Like I said a thousand times, I work in a fucking, on a cattle ranch and everybody is stuck in their own little pasture and nobody fucking talks to the person sitting right next to them. So, man, it sucks. I can't go to the person that, you know, sitting right next to me and being like, what the fuck is wrong with Toby and why does his face look like that? He looks like a fucking idiot. You can't do that. There's none of that. And I'm not saying I want to shit on people all day, but God damn it, let's have a conversation that's not about... Well, you know, um, did you get this tested? Fuck you, okay? Let's talk yeah. shit for five seconds, please. 
Just be real with me, dude. Just be real, right? Just fucking be real. Have a real conversation. I don't want to hear about, oh, you know, what's what's the fucking weather supposed to be like today? It doesn't matter. We're going to be sitting in fucking side for the next nine hours. Jesus yeah. Christ. But nobody gives a fuck. And everything is a goddamn emergency all the time. It's It's ridiculous. Everything is like, I got to do this right now. I got to send this email. Fuck you. It'll wait. Give me five minutes of your time. But yeah. what do I know? I'm just some fucking software tester that pfft, sits around all day and listens to music and watches movies and podcasts and bullshit. It's not permanent. That's what I keep telling myself. I just got to find a way out. It'll come Dude. around. Savannah GA, man. Got some friends down here who know what you've been through. Yeah, that's that's another thing, man. It's yeah. What's best for my family? Three people you know have been deployed on that aircraft. I know, and I can talk to them just like I'm talking to you. And man, this is these six conversations that we've had have been better than ninety percent of conversations I've had with anybody else in the last two and a half years, and it's uh. It's amazing, but at the same time, you know what's what's best for my family, and that is a factor. It's a huge factor. It's really the driving factor in everything that I do. And what's best for my family is is being raised the way that I was raised. And what's best for my kids is is being around that extended family. Having, unfortunately, my parents are nowhere close, and I hate every second of it. But uh, but we we stay in contact as much as we can. Uh, we FaceTime, Skype every week, sometimes twice a week, just so my kids always know who who their grandparents are. I just wish that they could be closer and and, yeah. s- and spend more time. But what's sure best for my what kids is. is is to be raised around family. And you know, Brittany's family isn't two hours away, and you know, my dad right now is off in in Nebraska or wherever, working pipelines, and has been for five months but you know my grandparents are here and my aunts and uncles and her aunts and uncles and sister and and that's what's best for my kids is knowing that their family is not just inside these walls and that they have other people in their lives and cousins and you know all that shit and as much as I'd love to live in Texas, and, you know, we almost moved to Oklahoma last year to yep. take a, a, you know, an instructor job, which would have been fantastic for me. Um, it wouldn't have been great for my kids. Like, yeah, just knowing how you, like you personally, uh, it seems like you need to cope, man. Yeah, that would. I mean, maybe that's why I have at least a slight something. Like, you know, these kids are fucking teacher, man. I'm finally like I'm finally reaching that like that point in my life where like okay I'm finally teaching fucking twenty year olds shit that's gonna have fucking real life consequences in two weeks in fucking Horn of Africa, right? Yeah, I mean there there is there is a there is a return for your investment, right? I don't have that return, and that's that's the bitch of it. If I if I do my job well, or if I do my job shitty, I mean the product that we send out is, is still gonna go out, and. Yeah. uh even if it is a problem, eh, it's a minor problem, right? And I don't have that. When I was an instructor, when 
when we stood up that schoolhouse at Fort Hood and, and we did all that, that was, and that was a purpose. That was a passion. That, I mean, it still is. If somebody asked me to fly right now and I could do it right here, I would, I would do it for less money than I'm making right now as long as I could get in the back of that fucking plane and do it all over again. And I envy the situation that you're in. But I know that, that, that that's its own struggle. And I know that, you know, you are in, in Georgia and you are far away. And I, man, I empathize with, with being away from family. And as, and as much as I know you, you love having a little bit of your own space, you're just as close with your family as, as I am. Yeah, man. Like, yeah, you're talking about you. You have a great childhood. Like, dude, my parents are like some of my best friends. And, right. And you're like that dude boy when I, when I was like 14. Right. <laughs> Fucking parents are the bees and east. Who calls their parents by their first name? You. Right. You're the only person I've ever met, and you're like fucking twenty years old. And they're awesome, man. But like, yeah. God damn. There's anything I could do just to like move back. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe I wouldn't move back. I don't think I'd move back. Disregard that last statement. <laughs> but part of you wants to, right? You know, dude. Part of me wants right? to leave. Part of me wants fucking, to move back I, to Texas. I here. get the Snapchats from. When my parents are hanging out with my brother or my sister and the right. kids on like a on like a random Saturday in like May, right? I'm just here and I'm like, fuck, man. See, those are the things that one kids remember, and two, it's just, dude, those those are the moments that fucking make your life, right? You spend all your time at work. I get it, but man, Saturday afternoons hanging out with fucking family for no particular reason, right? Just she, there. Like, she doesn't have that. I mean, she does it now. Like, she, okay, she's up at my parents' house for a month, and that was one of the main reasons Pat decided to do it. Because she was like, you know what? She can hang out with her cousins every day. Every day. Yeah, man. That's that's what it's all about. You know, and it's not selfish to want more out of your life, and it's not selfish to to want more um, out of your career. But uh, I think big picture forest through the tree situation is uh is what's best for your kids in the long run and i mean obviously it's not their parents being unhappy with what they do but uh being close to family and and having that uh, relationship in whatever way that you can do it whether it is through facetime or skype or or wherever I think that that is uh, that's key. It it's gonna pay dividends in the long run. Yeah, it's just it's a struggle. It's a struggle because they're young too, and you never really do. Like I never, my wife and I for the first time tonight, we didn't immediately like put the kids down and go to bed because you know I was gonna be up for this and and we just l- laid there and talked. And it culminated into an argument, and that argument only happened because I let my pride get in the way of of what she was actually saying, and I took offense to what she said when she really just meant it as a joke. And uh, we talked about it, you know, things calmed down, and we were just like, I just told her, like, look, fuck, I'm being a bitch, or whatever the fuck I was being. And, uh, yeah. you know, I'm fortunate. I'm fortunate that I have someone in my life that I can that I can confide in and that I can I can uh share my life with because 
man, I look at the struggles of, of people, especially, you know, people we even know that get married for the wrong reasons and they're miserable in more ways than one. And then you throw kids in the mix and how long do you need to suffer that misery? Yeah. I, uh, yeah, that, I don't know. That's kind of, I mean, I don't know. Like I'm not that, but like part of me is definitely a pessimist about my current like relationship and test. I don't test more of an optimist about it. And uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm like considering leaving her, but like definitely not where I think we should be. Right. It's always in my mind, like, Jesus, man. Right. I'm only 20. Like, it's a struggle. That was, me, that, was, that was my decision. I understand it, but, like, man, oh, man. It's a struggle, and it's a process, and marriage is a fickle bitch, and uh, it's definitely a process. It's definitely not easy. And it's got to be two people willing to put aside ego. I mean, you have to take ego out of it. And if you don't, you end up where I was today and just angry. And uh, you got to understand. I mean, for me, my mindset is it's not about, it's about us, but it's about these kids. And I came from a family of, a blended family. My parents, you know, got divorced. My dad remarried twice after my mom divorced again twice and uh that's not the example I want for my kids and you know the example that I want for my kids of a healthy marriage is is my mom and my stepdad and they had their struggles and nothing's perfect and I witnessed some of those struggles and uh but man they'll be doing 25 years in in a couple weeks here and you know, that's the example that I want to set for my kids. That I know that there will be struggles along the way. There'll be hills and valleys and and it won't be perfect. And But it, it'll be together and it'll be for the right reasons. Not just for the kids, but because, you know, part of it is because you, you made a promise. And you made, you, you entered into this contract of, of love or contract of, of marriage and and uh, you owe it to yourself and that other person to do whatever you need to do to uphold that. And uh, it is a struggle. There's a lot of questioning and there's a lot of, I mean, is this the right thing? You know, I only have, I'm 30. What do I got? 50, 50, 55, 60 years left. You know, I'm a third of the way and is this what I want to do? Yeah. Yeah, it is. And we'll share that struggle together. And if nothing else, you know, she's she's there. She's always been there. And the way I look at it is she was there when she didn't have to be. And she was there when I wasn't. Being gone as long as I was, I was gone for a year. Not only did, you know... We we went through the army together, just like you and, and Tess did. We spent, in the five years that, that I was in, we spent, uh, I did the math, 30, 30 months, 32 months together, 28 apart. Yeah. And, you know. Probably, I'm probably right there with you. Right. 
13 of those months were consecutive. And uh, she was there, and she went through it, and she was in a place. We were only in Texas for two months, and I left for 13. She didn't know anybody. She was in a house. She didn't know anybody. She was by herself for 13 months and got by and never complained, not one fucking time. And, uh, yeah, that's what it's all about, man. It's, it's just, I mean, we got a little bit more time in Texas before I had to leave. And it wasn't as long, you know, I did, I said the three at Beale and then the six or seven at Afghanistan, but like, and then I, I got back six months in Virginia. I did right. like two or three weeks fucking Canada or, right. you know, we kind of, it's just like, dude, she's fucking living in Colleen and like, by herself. I didn't. I didn't even say thank you. No. What? No. But crazy. It's that. It's 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 that relationship where you know you would do the same. You would do the same for her, and you hope that you never have to. But she hoped that she never had to go through that, you know. And yeah. uh, and she, and she did. And she she came through it on the other side. Never never a complaint. Never a well. You weren't here. You never get that. Um, and and there's something to be said about that. And I will forever be grateful for everything that she's done. And I mean, if nothing, if I mean if nothing else, she has given me two kids. I I wouldn't trade the world five times over four and uh i mean that's that's an amazing thing it's crazy but there are days where i'm just like would you leave me the fuck alone for five fucking seconds you know just today like we were i was doing something getting dinner ready or something I, i ordered takeout but it was like a salad and i was splitting everything up and she just kept asking me questions. I was like, are you purposely being fucking annoying to me right now? <laughs> just like that. She was like, no, I was just curious. I'm like, well, god damn it. I've, uh, I've been there. I tell somebody watching a fucking television show. I'll stand up. So, like, the only two places I can go. It's like 9.30 on Wednesday, right? Either to bed, which I wouldn't do, or the bathroom. I'll get up. Like, what are you doing? Like, dude, I'm fucking taking a piss. Just Stop it. Stop it. Yeah. But, like, why should I be mad at me? Apparently, she likes me so much. She's got to know what the fuck I'm doing. She wants you to be around all the time. That's how, that's how fucking Brittany is, man. It's always like, what are you doing, bro? Like, stop ta- stop asking me all these goddamn questions. Yeah. But, yeah, when you boil it down, it's she's just curious because she really, really likes you. And after we've been together eight years now, Married for six. After all that time, she still she still wants to know what I'm doing. Not because she wants to keep track of me, but she genuinely is interested in what I'm doing. It's crazy. But every day, man, it's a struggle. Every day is a compromise. You you know, you put your own self aside for the greater good and that is your family. And uh you try to you try to put her needs in front of your own, and some days it works out that way, and some days it doesn't, and you kind of just you kind of get through it, and it's it's this little tug of war, or it's this little 
It's this little uh, game you're playing, and you never win and you never lose, but uh, occasionally there's a draw. Yeah. It's it's fun. Some days it's not. Most days it is. As long as the good outweighs the bad. That's how I look at it. But there are no bad days. I don't have bad days. Just some are better than others, I think. In my marriage. I got bad days everywhere else. Yeah, right. Fuck it. Yeah, man. Dude. Hold on. I'm going to check something. I'm going to have tax. I'm going to have tax down next weekend. Man. You guys busy? Next weekend we'll be at... Uh, going to some water park thing on Saturday. For like eight hours. Something for Brittany's work. But... Uh, is it how many weekends does she have left? Nah, just one, really. I think. Really? I mean, and the next one. Well, I, I don't. Like, we literally have nothing going on tomorrow. We're trying to figure out what we're going to do, actually. Maybe she should drive down tomorrow. Fucking suck up. It's so far <laughs> for her, though. I mean, I feel bad. Dude, she's going down to fucking Harrisburg last weekend. She's fine. Really? Yeah, she, she's fine. Dude, fucking, what, three and a half hours? That's nothing. Yeah, what is, it's like it's about that to here. It's about three hours here. Yeah. No, 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 yeah, yeah. I'll say three, three and a half hours to you. Harrisburg is like six hours. Oh, yeah, that's nothing then, man. Yeah. Shit. Well, I'm open to it. I don't give a fuck, man. I would love to see that kid of yours. Yeah. I'll talk to her tomorrow. She's already, she's already like, whatever, but she's already sleeping, but. Right. Well, if she's, uh, whatever. I don't give a fuck. If she wants to come down, that'd be great. I would, I would love to see her. I'd love to see June. And, uh, yeah. that's something else. She's probably, she's probably very different from what you remember. You think so? I mean, she's still fucking bad shit, but, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think she's maybe a little softer now. Yeah. He's still very critical of people for some unknown reason, but, you know. It's hard to beat that out of somebody, you know? Yeah, right. It's a tough one to shake, but you guys are doing all right, though. Yeah, man, sure. Don't do that. What? <laughs> you just said you, 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 you often just, yeah, man, sure, everything's fine. Yeah, I mean, like, like I said earlier, like, I always think that maybe we could be doing better and she doesn't really see it that way, and I'm like, well. Have you talked to her about it? Like, really talked to her about it? Uh, I think so, but also probably not. I mean, you know, I say things, and then I'm like, well, I don't want to, like, scare her, because I'm not, like, thinking of anything, like, drastic, just, like. So, yeah, it's probably, it's probably my fault that, like, we're in the spot, it's just, like. It's not your fault. It's, uh, it's a marriage, right? It takes two of you guys. Takes two of you guys to make it work. So, if you don't tell her, she's never gonna know. And if you don't take the steps to fixing it, then you're never gonna know what it what it could be, where you want it to be. Right. It's not easy, man. And I don't. I shit. I don't have half the fucking answers, but I do know that bad news doesn't get better with time. And I'm not saying it's bad news, but at the same time. It's uh, 
it needs to be said because if you don't say it, nobody will. You know what I mean? And so have the conversation and be blunt and say the things that you're not sure about saying and, and, uh, don't obviously like go out of your way to hurt her feelings or, or whatever, but just have that honest conversation. And if it comes down to like, Hey, I want to go, I want to go talk to somebody together, not because you think you're in a place where you need to, but because you don't want to get to a place where you need to. You know, the same thing that Nick was talking about with his his own mental health is your marriage needs to be a priority as much as anything else is. And it's hard when, you know, you got June there and she takes up so much of your time and energy. But your marriage needs to be a priority as well. And even, even if it's just talking to somebody so it doesn't get to a point where there is no return or you don't feel like you can talk anymore because you don't want to or you're afraid to. You know, it's this, as long as you're both open and 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 not uh, so closed off to the idea that that it's not perfect and it needs, we need to at least have a conversation about it, then, then I think good can come of it. So you know, if you, if, it's tough, and I, I and I'm trying to be objective about it, but it's hard because you know I I do have an investment in into you and to her and and your family, um, but you know, outside looking in, what would it hurt to have the conversation? And as long as you framed it as like, look, I don't. I'm not crazy. I don't want anything to change as far as us. I just, I, I want us to, to air some things out and really talk like, you know, like Nick was saying again, like just with somebody objective where you, there's a place where you can go and, and have a conversation and not feel like it's a fight. You know, you can have basically somebody there to kind of mediate, you know, and, and, take the, the conversation into, into a direction that you want it to go. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with, with doing that, dude. And I, I think Tess, I mean, you know her way better than me, obviously, but I think that she's pretty logical and she knows you, obviously. So, yeah. Why not? And if nothing else, you can just talk to me. Yeah, man. Fuck it. I'll grow up one day. No, it's just not about growing up. It's not about manning up. It's about just, I mean, it's you owe it to each other. It's your marriage. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and you got June. So it's a responsibility you have. To, to her and to each other. So just be uh, be present in it. And you know, my, my grandmother told me when I first got married, uh, she's been married now for mm, 52 years. 
she always she always told Brittany and I never fall out of love at the same time. And if you feel like you are, then that's when you need to start talking about it. And I'm not saying that you are, and I'm, but you know, there's levels okay. there's levels to everything. Yeah, I, I really like that. Man. I, uh, I mean, yeah, I've been I've been struggling with that. I think a little more, and that makes me feel fucking super shitty. Right. Right, because you don't know why. Yeah. Or if you do know why, you don't want it to be the reason. You know what I mean? So, it's not, uh, it doesn't benefit anybody to not say anything. Yeah. So I think you should. You know, just don't do it in the middle of an argument. <laughs> <laughs> have a Have a little, little forethought there. Go like maybe this yeah. isn't the best time to talk about, them. but I don't know. I don't have all the answers, but I got a couple of ears and I can listen. So you can ask, right? Yeah, man. Just let me know. I gotta get to bed because I gotta get up at five. There you go. But uh, we'll carry this on next time. I'm always here, man. I know, brother. But if you need anything, just let me know. All right, and if you're struggling with something. Even if it's yeah, what you're going to pick for your fantasy draft tomorrow. Don't bug me with that yeah. shit, but, you know. What right, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> so ready. So fucking ready. You fucking nerd. All right, man. Well, hey, stay in touch. Hit me up this weekend. We'll figure this shit out. And if I hear anything from old dude about getting this stuff uh, out there in the world, I'll let you know. All right, man. All right, brother. You take it easy. Yeah. Peace.